0: Good evening and welcome tonight to our service here at Midway. We're thankful that you've chosen to be with us. i just got to tell you a little bit about what Larry told me this morning. This was before the lesson this morning, before some preacher got long-winded and all that. He told me this morning, and I'm thinking it's probably his fault, he handed me the microphone this morning and he said, I put fresh batteries in it, you preach as long as you want to. And so that's his fault this morning that we went overtime. Now I want to tell you what he did tonight. He handed me the microphone tonight and told me he said I didn't check the batteries, and so I don't know if we, I don't know if we will run out or not. But anyway, we'll do our best. I said this morning. I told some of uh, James or somebody. I said I started to say this morning at the end. You know, we went overtime this morning. It was an important lesson, and did have several who made comments in regard to the lesson and. Appreciating it and so forth. And I told James, I started to to say this morning that, you know, if you'll be back tonight, since we went overtime tonight, then we'll cut our lesson just a little bit short. I'll try to give you some of that time back tonight. And I decided against that because of this. Tonight is Super Bowl Sunday. And if I tried to cut my lesson short tonight, Everybody would say, he just wanted to go watch the Super Bowl. That's what, that was what it was all about. And so you can't win for losing sometimes, but I do want to say tonight, I am going to give us back a few minutes of time. Uh, What I want to do this morning, or tonight rather, is to begin a lesson, and we're actually going to begin at the end of a chapter, and we'll come back next week and we'll talk about some things near the beginning of the chapter. (laughs) But if you have your Bible, you may want to turn to the book of Joshua, chapter number 3. As you know this year, we're looking through the book of Joshua and trying to learn some things in regard to how God is there for us and how the battle belongs to the Lord and and how we can do some things in our life. And You know, trust in Him is one of the things that certainly we need to do, and we talked about that some this morning. But as we come to the book of Joshua, chapter 3, As we've said in regard to some of the other lessons, the children of Israel had been in the wilderness. They had wandered for 40 years because of the fact that they did not believe that they could take the land. Because of their lack of faith, God caused them to wander in the wilderness until all those who were 40 years old and above had died except for two men. And now they have come to the end of that period of time, those who are older, those who had come out of Egyptian bondage and were over the age of 40, they've all passed on now, and they're standing on the east side of Jordan. And God has brought them there, and they're ready to go over. Last Sunday night we talked about chapter 2 and some things in regard to that. We looked at the life of Rahab and some of the things that surrounded her, but now the the spies have already been over there. Everything is set, and they're ready to cross over the Jordan and begin taking the land that God had promised that He would give them. And so, put that picture in your mind. There is a river between them and the promised land. They, they had been all of those years. They had been out in this wilderness territory. For all of those years, God had protected them. God had given them things that they needed. He had made sure that they survived. But now they're this close, if you will, to getting their possessions. They're this close to having what God has promised them. But if you have your Bible, turn with us. And I'm not going to put this on the screen tonight. But if you have your Bible, look at Joshua chapter 3. And let's begin reading down in verse number 14 together. There the Bible says, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and we'll come back and talk about that next week. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over Jordan. Now what I want to do tonight is think about, again, the setting. They're here. They're ready to go over. God has given them instructions at the first part of the chapter. They're to follow after the ark. The priests are to pick up the ark. They're to take it, and they're to walk off into the Jordan. And the Bible says there that when that happened, God was going to do something. He was going to stop the waters. He was going to make them stack up. And if you notice in the reading, He tells us where that was going to be done. He said it's going to be done at Adam, which is near Zaranath. And if you look on a map, you can locate the place where that was. It was about 20 miles north of Jericho. And it's an amazing thing to think about why God would choose that place in order to stop the water. Now notice what he said was going to happen. He was going to stop it from flowing. He was going to cause it to stack up. He was going to dam up the river, if you will, so that it could not flow on pass. Everything would run down. It would get out of their way. But everything else would stack up. Now, in that location, in Adam, of that, that particular place, as best we can tell, that's a place where the banks were quite high at the Jordan River. And so you know when you dam up a river and the water continues to flow down, what it's going to do, it's going to spread out. God chose a place where he can contain the water. And so 20 miles north of where they were, God made it clear that that it was going to be a great distance. He even told us where it was going to be stopped. But all of the rest of that water came rolling down. But God stopped it 20 miles away from where they were. Everything else went on, and the Bible speaks about how they were to cross over. And again, just as they had been when they were crossing the Red Sea. These people, some of them, you know, could probably have been children, uh, and, you know, even those who were below the age of 40, they could well remember when God caused the Red Sea to open up. But now, he stopped this river. And they're able to go across just like they did on the, in the Red Sea. They're able to go across on dry ground. It's an amazing thing when you think about what was going on, if you really and truly think about it. Now, I've heard people talk about the Jordan River. And it's like, well, you know, you can't go and investigate the Jordan River But I've heard them say about the Jordan River, you know, it's just a little thing. And and some people, you know, could almost put their foot in it and dam it up themselves. You know, stop it. It's it's just a a little thing. The Jordan River is approximately, on average, 98 feet in width. And it's anywhere on an average time from about 3 feet deep to about 10 feet deep. That's from the, the area where it flows. It, it flows down. It, it comes winding down the, uh, from the northern part of, uh, of uh, the, the promised land, and it winds down close to 200 miles. It's, it's not that far from top to bottom, but the way it sort of meanders down through there, it, it makes it quite long. But a lot of folks, you know, they'll say that was not a, not a major thing for them to have to cross over and to, to go into the promised land. You know, if you stuck your foot in it, you'd stop it from flowing. Well, now you had approximately 2 million people or so who's going to have to go across that, but, but it's a little bit bigger than that stopping it up with your foot. 3 to 10 feet deep, 98 feet wide on, on average. Okay, And so we begin to get a little bit of a picture as to what's happening here as they're about to cross over into the Promised Land. But I want to call your attention and bring you back to reality, I guess, just a little bit. And in doing that tonight, we're going to call our lesson Jordan at the Overflowing. And the reason we're going to call it Jordan at the Overflowing is because of what we read in verse number 15. Now, I did put that one on the screen, and because I'm so far away, my my mouse doesn't want to work. I need to back up a little bit. Well, let me just leave it right there for you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. If you notice there, they're there, and the Bible speaks about Jordan at the overflowing. Now, it's about 98 feet or so on average wide, but when it floods... In many places, it can get to be up to half mile wide. We're not talking about some little bitty river. We're talking about, you know, something that's pretty, pretty substantial, pretty major, especially when you've got to carry two million people or so across it. And you've got the military that has to cross over. And not only that, but you've got all of the, the children and the women and, and supplies and all of those kinds of things. And so you get that, and and we talk about Jordan at the overflowing. Well, what you're looking at on the screen, and I see that some are paying close attention, but when you're looking at this on the screen, what I decided to do was Google Jordan River at flood stage. And literally what you have, as a matter of fact, you see, It'll focus sometimes on a sign that's sort of upstream, and that's written in you know the foreign language, the language of the, the area there. But what you're looking at is a section of the Jordan River at flood stage. And so now when you begin reading Genesis, or rather Joshua chapter three, verse 15, and the Bible talks about how that they were there and how that they are waiting to, uh, to be able to cross over, and it's at the flood stage, it's Jordan at the overflowing, you begin to get a picture. It's not as simple as just walking off in there and stopping the thing up. Now, now, what we have up here, what I have, I've got it looping over and over again. It's about 30 seconds long, but it's just looping over and over again. You're looking at the same footage, but I wanted to put that up there because I wanted you to see and hopefully when you look at that it begins to give you a different picture you know I don't know about you but I thought about okay now they came to the Jordan River and and when you see the picture of the river when John is baptizing in the Jordan you know it's always portrayed as a little river that just barely flows along you know it's it's just one of those places that you just sort of wait out in the water and it looks like it never moves and it's almost like being in a, in a swimming pool kind of thing. I want you to understand it's not always like that. And I want you to understand tonight that God could have brought the children of Israel to this river and had them cross over at a different time. He didn't have to have them cross over when it was at flood stage. He could have brought them, you know, during the middle of the dry season so that it would have been easier for them to do, but that's just not necessarily God's way. The Bible talks about God and what He wanted to accomplish here as He brings His people to this promised land. Look, if you will, to the book of Joshua chapter 3 again, and I just want to back up to, to verse number 7. And I want you to see what the Bible says in verse number 7. I'm just going to let this play up here. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. How did God prove to the people that he was with Moses? Well, we go back to the beginning when he's talking to Pharaoh and we know that God made it so that Moses could cast down his uh, staff and it would become a snake. And, and, and we know that the magicians, you know, they pull their magic tricks, but, but the Bible also made it, God also made it, so that when Moses cast his down and the magicians cast theirs down, God allowed Moses' snake to eat up the snakes that the others had done. And so he begins to show his power. Well, the people begin to be convinced, but Pharaoh's not convinced and the Egyptians are not convinced. And so what does God do? God begins to strike at the the gods of Egypt. And he brings in... The, the, the water turned to blood and frogs and locusts and all these kinds of things and, and it comes all on cue. And it all stops on cue because God is in control. And again, when they come to the, to the Red Sea, when Pharaoh finally does allow them to leave, they're there and, and they're wondering, what are we going to do? Here's this sea in front of us and here's this mighty army behind us. God says, we'll just stand there and move forward. Exodus chapter 14. How are we going to do that? God tells Moses how to get it done so that he would open up the Red Sea and they would walk across safely. And the people look back and here comes the army. God allows them to get there. And with one fell swoop, God destroys the army of a mighty nation. You see, God says, I'm going to show the people that I'm with you just as I was with Moses. But in doing that, God is showing his own power. God is showing exactly what he can do. Now you look back up there at that screen for a moment, and you think about it. What's going to cause that water to stop? so that it just goes on down and it stacks up. What's going to cause? What's going to have the power? Have you ever thought about how powerful water is? You've seen the floods in other places and you've seen it literally wash houses away, take them downstream. But God can speak and it would stop just like that. Even a mighty river like the Jordan River. E- even at flood stage. It's amazing that God will bring them at flood stage. But it's there that God is going to establish His power to these people and show them that He is with, Mo- with Joshua and that he is, he is still the leader. He still cares for the children of Israel. He is still able to accomplish what he said he can accomplish. Now we talked about Jericho last week, and, and we talked about how that the, the walls would fall down, and we won't actually read that happening until we get to chapter 6. We've still got a ways to go before that happens. How, how would you like to be the one who is looking at that walled city, and you're wondering how we're we going to conquer it? God begins to help them understand again, this is how we're going to do it. I can stop the river. I can put my mighty hand on the river so that you can just march right across with no problem whatsoever. I don't know about you, but when I look at things like this and I see, you know, this is modern day. This is modern day Jordan River. When I see things like this, and yet I know that God in His infinite wisdom and, and by choice He caused the people to come when the river was raging in a, in a fashion similar to this, that He's making a statement. He's making a point. I'm powerful enough to be with you. And so number one, as we think about God and what He's doing here, He's showing His power. He's establishing, Joshua, that He is indeed the leader, but He's showing His power as to exactly who He is. But again, look and go back farther this time to verse number 5. And there the Bible says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you you see that just sort of confirms what we said but it's not god speaking with a loud voice out of heaven it's not god doing some other kind of things you know that that could be considered to be a trick god proves himself by his mighty wonders i know the children of israel they had the opportunity To see a number of things that God could perform. The manna, Moses speaking to a rock and getting enough water out of it to feed millions of people plus their animals. They had seen a number of things. But just like the rest of us, they still had doubts along the way. How can you do this, God? How are you going to to be able to to make it possible for for mighty things to happen like this river stopping and and doing all of those kinds? How will you be able to do it? You know, they're a little bit like us. We were talking about worry this morning. Spent a long time talking about worry. and, and, And we talked about how Jesus gives us an alternative and that is to trust in God. And we come along, we say something like, you know, that's really absurd. We've got to, we got to stand up for ourselves. We got to, we got to, you know, protect ourselves. We got to do it all ourselves. It's really absurd. And again, besides that, you know, uh, I really don't know if I can count on God. He's let me down in the past. God is making a statement. It's not absurd for God to stop a mighty river. Because he can. And if he can do that, listen, folks, he can take care of the problems in our lives. He can handle it. You can sit there and you can wonder about it all night long. I don't understand how God can stop a river like that. But he did. And when those people saw that, they were willing to walk across and they were willing to go do some foolish things on the other side. They were willing to walk around the outside of the city walls without saying a word for six days. They were willing on the seventh day to walk around that city seven times and when they hear the trumpet, they all shouted. They were willing to do that. Can you imagine what the people sitting on the walls, looking out the windows? Remember, we talked about last week, Rahab's house was built into the wall. There was a window there. There's people looking out the windows. What are those crazy people doing out there? But they were willing to do that. In part, because God established Joshua as their leader by showing his power... And proving to them, I'm still God. I'm still God. Don't ever forget the fact that when they came to the Jordan River, they came to a river that was overflowing. May I ask you tonight as we begin to bring this lesson to a close how big is your God? How big is your God? Now you think about that tonight. How big is your God? Is your God big enough to stop the river? Is that the same God that you're trusting in, that I'm begging and pleading with all of us to trust in? Is that the same God? We think we have big obstacles in our way. We talked about this morning, I sort of, in a humorous way, said there's some people think that they're special, their problems are special. Preacher, you really just don't understand my problems. Mine are special. I've got so many of them. There's so many different things going on. And I said, yeah, you're special. That's why God wrote what He did to us. We're special. That's why He tells us things like He tells us here in the book of Joshua, chapter number 3. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, have some interesting statements for us. Again, you may, have, you may want to turn there in your Bible, but Ephesians chapter 3, look at again, verses 20 and 21. In, in that passage, the Apostle Paul, he, he has some things to say. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. My mind is not big enough to understand how how big God is. Not big enough. I can't even think about things that God can do. And so why in my life do I want to limit Him when I know He can do things like we're talking about Him doing tonight? Look at another passage of Scripture, if you will. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. There's a very good question. If God be for you, God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? The same God who can stop that can take care of you no matter what. So tonight we've come to Jordan at the overflowing. How big is your God? Well, I know how big the God is. The God of the universe. And I know that He is the one that I'm trying to get all of us to trust in, to be obedient to and if, you're not, if your God is not big enough to do that for you, let me suggest to you, you're trusting in the wrong God. It may be that you just have the wrong concept of God, that you really believe in the true God, but your faith needs to be strengthened in Him. And I hope these two lessons today can begin to serve to help us to do that. To to learn to lean on Him more. Because we have so much in our life. The battle belongs to the Lord. It may be tonight that you're here and you're not a Christian and you want to be one because you want to be a, a servant of that powerful God. I hope that you'll tonight make make it a point in your life to be obedient to Him. If you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, tonight we're here, we're waiting, we're ready to assist you with that. Maybe you're here and there's something amiss in your life that you need to make right in a public way. If that's the case, then would you come tonight and let us pray with you and for you right now as to